You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Darwin Zook. Thanks for tuning in to MLB Extras Podcast, Indians Edition. Pleased to be joined by Cleveland reporter Jordan Bastian. Jordan, we appreciate the time as always, my friend. And let's start off with a pretty um, amazing story here, a scary story for a while over the summer with Leonis Martin, a life-threatening bacterial infection uh, he got in August, and it was very scary situation. And now he's in the process of recovering, doing much better, and he signed a one-year deal worth $3 million, avoiding arbitration. So uh, he's still in the process of recovering, but Jordan, talk a little bit about that and kind of the scary scene that went on over the summer with Leonice. Yeah, I mean, it was, I've never covered anything like it. And when sources are just not giving you any details, I mean, that sets off some big red flags. And early on in that situation, no one would say what was going on. And that's when just sort of instinctually you start to fear for the worst. Or you think, well, okay, like on day one, they're kind of joking that he had intestinal turmoil and two days later, they won't give you any information, and you find out he was rushed to the hospital, and it was a lot worse. And obviously, it it uh, you know developed into a life threatening situation. And um, you know, at that point, baseball became just secondary. You know, it was just they had acquired this guy from the Tigers to to fill a role on the team, and it, suddenly that didn't matter. You know what happened with center field. You know, Greg Allen got an opportunity to shine and he did well down the stretch and that was kind of a silver lining. But really, it was all about Martin's recovery and uh, the job that everyone at the Cleveland Clinic did to reverse course in a situation where um, toxins in his blood were impacting uh, internal organs and they were starting to shut down. And this was a situation where he could he could have died, you know, so uh, to be sitting here today and talking about uh, you know, avoiding arbitration with a one-year deal, the fact that we're talking about him as how they can use him in center field. It's just nice that he's at a point where we're talking about baseball, you know, where obviously there's still recovery to go with him. Um, when you have internal organ uh, damage, it takes, you know, multiple months for him to heal. Um, but obviously he's not a regular Joe. This is a, this is a athlete who's in great shape. And that probably played a role in the strong recovery that he had to date. So he was in a good place from all indications going into the offseason and obviously in a good enough spot where the Indians were willing to invest uh, $3 million in him looking ahead to next year and kind of penciling him in as an uh, option in center field against right-handed pitching mostly, which was the idea when they acquired him in the first place. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a... It was a scary story in 2018, and it will hopefully continue to be uh, a great comeback story as we look ahead to 2019. Yeah, absolutely. No question. Just uh, uh, it's definitely a scary situation, but um, in the process of going much better now, signing that deal. Uh, you wrote in a recent article, Jordan, uh, the Indians rotation is the backbone of their team and the main reason why they should be favorites again to win the AL Central next year. And that strength continues to grow they exercise the 9.75 million dollar option on pitcher carlos carrasco so he'll be back um does that signal again that the backbone of this team is the rotation and that's what they're going to build around here in the offseason 
Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, as we've touched on, I think in other podcasts, you're going to hear names floated around in trade rumors. It's going to be inevitable that Corey Kluber's name is floated in rumors or Carlos Carrasco because these guys are so good because their contracts are desirable. Um, And it's a situation where the Indians have so many questions and other facets of the roster that it's natural to think, well, maybe they should draw from the strength of the roster to answer some of these other needs. So it's going to be inevitable. That's going to happen. That said, I don't think the Indians are going to trade any other starting pitchers. As you just said, and as I've written countless times, it is the backbone of the roster. And the division is in a great spot where the Indians would probably still be the favorites, um, even if they were four strong in the rotation as opposed to five. But uh, I think when you look ahead to all the uncertainty in the outfield, the questions they need to answer in the bullpen, uh, some of the positional alignment questions they need to sort out, guys with like Jose Ramirez and Yandy Diaz and Jason Kipnis, it's got to be a great feeling. And Antonetti kind of said this on the conference call when we were talking about Carrasco. It's a great feeling to go into the winter with the rotation as a place of not just stability, but of such great talent. I mean, you've got four guys in Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer, and Mike Clevenger that could be number ones on other teams, and they're all on the same team. Um, so when you're referencing Trevor Bauer as a number three starter, I mean, it's almost not fair to describe him like that because the guy was a Cy Young contender this year. Uh, so I think it's a got to be a good place for that front office as they're planning um, to go into the winter knowing, hey, this is an area we don't need to worry about. We can focus all our attention on on these other areas of need. Yeah, and uh, that stability, not many teams can say that, certainly going into the offseason with that much talent in the rotation. Uh, You did mention a lot of other questions, though, on the roster, and we do have some uh, answers now when it comes to qualifying offers with certain players, including Michael Brantley, Andrew Miller. What can you tell us about that in terms of whether qualifying offers will be extended or not to some of these free agents? Yeah, I mean, they didn't end up, offering any of the qualifying offers to any of their free agents. And I think there's, there's a couple layers here. And I think the big one is just the financial situation that the Indians are in. Uh, They've got a dozen free agents, but they've also got at least 30 million coming in raises via arbitration and guaranteed contracts. So their payroll is going to look about the same as it did last year, even with 12 guys coming off the books this winter. And so that creates sort of this, uh, this limited uh, financial window that they can play in. So if you extended as much as the Indians would love to have Michael Brantley back, and I'm sure there's still mutual interest on both sides. If you offer him a 17.9 million qualifying offer while you're still sorting out uh, Jason Kipnis's situation and he's due 14.7 million. Well, now you're looking at 30 million between two players that you've committed on November 2nd when you have months ahead of you to try and figure out what you want to do with this roster. So it's all, unless you know, Hey, we're going to be able to trade Jason Kipnis. uh, Unless you know that for a fact, it's really difficult in the situation the Indians are in to commit that much money this early in the winter. I think there's interest probably in bringing Michael Brantley back or, you know, continuing dialogue with an Andrew Miller or Cody Allen or Lonnie Chisholm or some of these other guys. But it's a situation where they're going to want to continue to map out how they're going to allocate their resources. 
um, where Jason Kipnis fits into this puzzle. Maybe if there's trades that can help free up some payroll as the offseason goes along. And when you're still in the midst of trying to answer some of those questions, it just doesn't make a sense for a team like the Indians to risk a player agreeing to signing on for almost 18 million today. And so I don't think, like I said, I, I don't think it's, Hey, we're not interested in these guys. It's just, we can't risk that much money at this point in the winter. Right. Now that makes sense without knowing exactly, or have some more idea of what's going to happen moving forward. You don't want to put that much money on the table first. It's like not seeing your hand before you play it. I, that makes sense to me. And we saw last winter, they had decisions to make on options with Josh Tomlin and Michael Brantley last winter. And they picked up both of those options. Now, Brantley's situation worked out great. Uh, he, he was an all-star again. He was on the field all year. He answered all those health questions. Josh Tomlin had a shaky year, but his was an affordable option. But still, the, the downside to picking up those options so early last winter was it really hindered what the Indians could do the rest of the way through last offseason. And we saw that in what ended up being a very quiet winter for Cleveland. Interesting. Talking with Jordan Bastion, Indians reporter. A couple other topics I want to touch on with you, Jordan. Indians, several Gold Glove nominees. The uh, winner is being announced on Sunday. Some of those nominees include Corey Kluber, Jan Gomes, Jose Ramirez, Francisco Lindor. Oz, those guys could uh, take home some hardware with these gold gloves. Oh, man, who is not fired up for the Pitcher Gold Glove Award, man? <laughs> oh, every that's year, a good one. Every year, that's the one I look forward to. No, I I actually, I kind of, that's one you sort of don't pay attention to throughout the year. And when Kluber's yeah. popped up, I went, huh. And then you look, and according to fan graphs, he's second in the American League in defensive runs saved, and he had no errors, and he led the league in innings. And on top of that, a guy that runners used to run wild on last year really controlled the running game a lot better. And part of that is on his catchers, the, the quality of Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez behind the plate. Um, but also, there a lot of that's tied to the pitcher as well. So um, you, if you look at those three elements, you go, well, man, maybe Corey Kluber might have a gold glove next to those Cy Youngs in his future. I don't know. That'll be, <laughs> fun. That'll be fun to watch. Lindor, uh, obviously always is a, is a candidate and always deserving, but he's got some guy named Andrelton Simmons um, who's in the mix as well. And so that's going to be a hindrance. Jose Ramirez ended the year at second base, but for the second year in a row, um, he is a, a qualifier for the Golden Glove at third base. And in both years, he ended the year at second. So that's kind of funny. Uh, he played great at third and he's also deserving. He's got a guy named Matt Chapman who was just otherworldly uh, at third base for Oakland. Jan Gomes will be another interesting one to watch. I think uh, he did, you know, you saw some of the, the caught stealing numbers went down a little, but uh, in terms of defensive run saves, he, he was up there and he always rates pretty well when it term, comes to blocking runs above average and his framing got a little better this year. So he'll be an interesting one, too. Um, but, yeah, I think of the four, maybe Corey Kluber is the most likely. We'll see. It'll be fun to fun to monitor as they announce those soon. Yeah, and definitely it's an honor for a guy like Kluber. doesn't normally maybe think of himself in that way, but you work hard at something and then you get rewarded there. So that could be cool to see what happens. Uh, quickly, let's get caught up on some uh, Indians players, how they're doing at the Arizona Fall League. Uh, number six prospect in the organization, Yu Chang, smashed a couple Home runs I, I saw on consecutive days, and he's playing in the Arizona Fall League All-Star game 
coming up Saturday, and folks listening out there can watch that. A lot of great young talent on MLB Network Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Um, pitcher Rob Kaminsky also playing in the All-Star Game. Tell us a little bit about those guys and the progression they've shown as they play in this All-Star Game. Yeah, Chang's an interesting one. He was one of the guys who was involved in the Lucroy trade that never came to fruition a couple years ago. Uh, one of those prospects that stayed in the farm system when Lucroy vetoed that deal. And um, he's played, came up as a shortstop, and he's kind of played more third lately. And third is going to continue to be a position that the Indians are looking at as, uh, you know, as Jose Ramirez may play second, Yandy Diaz may get a shot at third. And then behind him, you have an interesting prospect like Yu Chang, who, who's kind of opened some eyes as he's come up the system and obviously opened eyes in other farm systems as well, uh, considering he was involved in some trade talks. So he's going to be an interesting guy to watch and monitor this spring as he gets closer and closer to the big league radar. Uh, shortstop, obviously, with Lindor there, it's it's a uphill battle for any prospect. We've seen that with Eric Gonzalez, who looked like he could have been an everyday shortstop prospect, and he's now a utility player for the Indians. Or even Jose Ramirez came up, played a lot of shortstop, and you know had to kind of move off short because Lindor's pretty good. Um, I can confirm. Uh, now, <laughs> Rob Kaminsky, it's a guy they got in a trade a few years ago from the Cardinals. It was at a point in time when the Cardinals kind of had this wealth of pitching prospects and could afford to to shed one. And he came up as a starter. And last year, he worked as a reliever, dealt with some command issues. But he's really done well in the fall league. I think he has a pretty good strikeout-to-walk rate in a limited sample. But definitely an encouraging showing late in the year in what was, I believe, his first full year as a reliever. So he'll be an interesting guy lefty relievers are always intriguing um and if he can you know come into camp potentially and open some eyes you know i don't know if he'll be in spring training but uh, that'll be a guy to continue to monitor as he goes through that transition and last question for you jordan as we wrap up pitcher dan otero heading to japan part of a seven game exhibition there against japanese all-stars seems like a good opportunity for Otero and a lot of players. Uh, how did this come about? Uh, November 9th to 15th this going on in Japan. Yeah, the Indians have taken part uh, in the past. Carlos Santana went there and uh, I think the last time they did it. And Terry Francona has been over there as part of a few of those tours. Um, Otero is a, he's an interesting guy. You know, he has a lot of interests and um, I think it's probably just, I mean, it, he's one guy where when I saw his name on the roster, it just made sense that that would be something that he would want to do. Um, travel overseas, kind of see something different and get that experience. So I haven't had a chance to catch up with Dan yet about the whole thing, but it'll be fun to monitor uh, what it's like for him and uh, catch up with him later on down the road about the whole experience. But yeah, it's fun to, to see someone involved with the Indians, someone that you can kind of monitor and, and see and get feedback on just what that whole experience is like. Absolutely, no question. Should be a very interesting offseason for the Indians. Definitely some uh, questions surrounding the roster, and we'll be talking with you quite a bit, Jordan, as we move forward. We appreciate the time as always. Thank you. No problem, anytime. Jordan Bastion joining us on MLB Extras.